welcome everyone to your Ms. Marvel podcast by Fantastic Geeks, the official unofficial voice of the Marvel Cinematic Community. My name is Matt, and joining me to my right is the man who needs no introduction. It's Pete. Hello, Pete. The change is here, and the change is her, everyone. Ms. Marvel podcast by Fantastic Geek for episode two, Crushed, is brought to you by Ice Cream Pizza. Have a nice plate or bowl today. Uh, Pete, we are continuing during these busy weeks here. Going to be talking Obi-Wan Kenobi part five tomorrow uh, in what was a stellar episode. Don't want to spoil anything, but really a treat to watch. And I can't wait to talk about it. That penultimate piece there, Matt. We continue to chug along on Star Trek Strange New Worlds, which, of course, we'll bring to you on Star Trek Sundays, episode 107. Just three remaining there. Feels like yesterday we were at the red carpet premiere, the gold carpet premiere, as they did, because Star Trek. And bring it back to the MCU. I'm sure a lot of people know that uh, tickets for Thor Love and Thunder went on sale this past week. Uh, can't believe that that's now just a month away. Uh, has me wondering, Pete, will the first uh, snippet, the first view of Black Panther Wakanda Forever be as a trailer for Thor Love and Thunder? Um, I, I should be, right? Given that Thor has now established the the smallest window from any kind of moving images seen to theatrical release. I I've been cold on black Panther, uh, Wakanda forever, not because I'm not interested in, I'm super interested in it, particularly with the difficulty of having to change the story and the, you know, untimely death of Chadwick Boseman, but the, the other troubles they've had the delay, they had the injury to Shuri actress, Letitia Wright. Um, but at this point, Matt, like to keep their November date, uh, I don't know. They need to like do anything and they can still hit it, I guess. So maybe we get it that I would think there's a teaser, right? There's got to be. I think, I think there's going to be a heck of a teaser trailer that sells us on all the shared emotion that we as Marvel fans and we as people who loved Black Panther, the all the emotion that we're feeling and not all of it is positive uh, due to that death of Chadwick Boseman. I'm not saying that we are against the movie, uh, <laughs> echoing kind of what you had said before, but I think that there's going to be an amazing trailer to say, here's why this movie matters, despite the fact that you know something real world and something tragic happened. Um, I think there's a lot of potential there for for us all to be reminded what brought together so many people to see that first movie. So time will tell on that. And Pete, bringing it most squarely now to Ms. Marvel, an Intel update. And listen, Pete, you know, I want to be spoiler free here, so I don't want to say too much. But I will say this. Some more info coming to light here. The show's production trip to Thailand may have not been for the season finale. So maybe we see some of that stuff sooner than not um if you dig a little bit more you might get a better sense of when that's actually going to be but pete i gotta respect my hashtag spoiler free army out there and not say uh too much if only matt we had recorded a patreon exclusive where the director of those episodes 
gave just a little bit of insight that you can go check out on patreon.com slash fantastic geek. But for now, let's embiggen our look into this episode. Kamala Khan struts into Cole's academic high school, a whole new girl taking the ball from the kid dribbling in her face, correcting Mr. Coach on the pronunciation of her name and getting in between her favorite couple to get to her locker. But then she runs into a new boy. As soon as she does, Bruno is there trying to help her, but videos that he's received from her were nothing but flashes of pink light that he couldn't make out. She's tried to shrink, fly, talk to ants, nothing worked. Why does she think she has Ant-Man powers? Well, they're both charming and look younger than they are. Nice job, writers. Um, just then, on everybody's phones, uh, Zoe is appearing. We're, we hear her talk about live streaming the events of Avengers Con, where she was uh, saved. She's trying to live in the moment. But over the weekend, as a result of this incident, her follower account quadrupled. Uh, she made physical contact with a superhero. And Kamala imagines how many followers the girl who saved her could get. But Bruno cautiously reminds her that secret identities are secret for a reason. So they make a plan to rendezvous uh, in the theater after lunch. And then uh, Nakia comes in to learn about Zoe's fame. You know, Pete, Zoe Zimmer, so shameless here in her attempts to build that social media following. I mean, clearly the episode presenting it as negative. And we can keep this conversation going on Twitter.com slash Fantastic Geek, uh, as where, well as Facebook.com. Where Facebook. Pete's going to talk about his, his up-to-the-minute uh, follower count at the end, okay? Apparently, I'm a, I'm a Zoe, and I need to stop. Uh, regardless, Pete, uh, as you said, Nakia is there unimpressed with uh, budget Captain Marvel, okay? Thank you. Um, <laughs> and uh, kind of intercut with that is Zoe uh, dazzling the the end of the cafeteria that she's at, having been saved by a uh, uh, nightlight. Yes, nightlight, <laughs> which is not a terrible Yo, it's nightlight. Um, but who's up for a Zoe party on Friday night? It is, of course, oons, 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 to celebrate the fragility of life. Yes, the fragility of life. Uh, she even is going to invite Kamran, the new guy, to the party. He says he'll be there. Uh, Pete, later on, I will fully detect that British accent, but a little bit sprinkled in here. Uh, and Kamala thinks that uh, they, uh, the uh, the trio of Nakia and Bruno and Kamala, uh, should go too. We get the effervescent title card. Uh, turns out Bruno doesn't really want to go, though. Uh, however, they are backstage, uh, as mentioned two scenes ago. And uh, Kamala uh, lets forth her comic fist, or her cosmic fist, pardon me, uh, and it's almost like an idea comes to life, but then that energy fist is getting bigger and bigger, and she can't support the weight of it, so clunk it goes on the ground. Uh, things and stuff are being knocked over. Uh, Bruno almost knocked over, but she saves him. 
Yes, only because she almost killed him first. A little foreshadowing here. Uh, so she needs to work on the skills. Cue the montage of the running and the push-ups and then making the uh, platforms uh, using her hand uh, there when she gets some inspiration from the game that Bruno is playing on his phone. On the Circle Q roof, the platforms fade. Uh, Bruno uh, uses his tablet to illustrate that the power is not coming from her bangle, but from her, like it unlocked a superhuman, not an inhuman, part. Um, and then his glasses are knocked off with that energy. Could she be Asgardian or something related to Thor? What a crossover there, Matt, as we mentioned earlier with the film coming out. Uh, no, maybe. Uh, and the, the Gyro King uh, calling Bruno to pick up his order here. Um, but they check out the markings on the bangle. Um, is it uh, Urdu? Is it Arabic? Not quite sure. Um, but the light that comes out of her uh, hardens. Uh, she wants to call it hard light. Um, funny, but kind of inappropriate uh, revisiting of the Black Widow Hawkeye uh, scene there from Avengers Endgame? Uh, I suppose so. I mean, certainly visually it is. I don't know that it's necessarily an intentional revisit if nothing else um it's a fun within it within its own containment it's a funny moment you know uh bruno needed to hold on to her or not you let me go bruno and we see that she drops maybe another foot and a half uh pete in metric that's i don't know less than a meter okay um the big takeaway is that she is progressing with the skills of the hard light with that, we cut to Kamala and Nakia late for the mosque. They race to place. They take off their shoes, wash their faces and feet. Then it's prayer time, men and women separated by a screen. Uh, it's some of the other girls who are Snapchatting in the place or Insta. Uh, uh, it's Insta, Matt. I, the minute the lady said Snapchat, I'm like, this lady doesn't know. Um, regardless, it is the men's section of the, uh, of the space, which is pristine on the women's end. There's mold, there's crumbling walls that are, that are, uh, the, the, the cracks and so forth covered over, uh, Kamala notes all the way up to the shake that it is, uh, different on this side. Uh, he praises her for the modesty of it all. This, this screen up, uh, to, to help everyone with issues of modesty. Uh, and uh, a bit later, there's discussion how there's a mosque board spot that's open, but really not something that a woman should reach for, right? They wonder. Uh, and Pete, they're going to return to that topic later in the episode, so they're actually setting something up for later. Well, Kamala encourages Nakia to run here. What does she look like, a 90-year-old man? And then returning to the cubby to find her Versace shoes stolen from a thief that has struck yet again the 22nd pair stolen. And the uncles, the men just don't care. 
maybe Nokia will run for change. But there's that Uncle Rashid. Everybody loves him, you know, palling around. Uh, maybe Kamala could be Nokia's manager. At home, uh, Kamala helps mom with a bag there. She apologizes for sneaking out. Um, and mom knows she's growing up, but really intentional moment here, Matt, that she just needs Kamala to stay safe. That's all that matters. And Kamala has another request, but it's not about Avenger Con 2, thank goodness. No, it's uh, going to a party at Zoe's. Kamala would like to go. She'll be back at nine. She'll be with other people. Mom says yes. Uh, of course, Pete, not even with the knowledge of the next episode. Just, you know, house party versus like the safe confines of a convention. Like, you know, most of us would be like, no, the house party is more dangerous. And, you know, to a certain degree, we see that the crew has assembled at Zoe's house. Kamala's given uh, just orange juice. Oops, uh, that's OJ with vodka. Is she drunk now? Luckily, the answer is no. She had just a sip. Uh, shouldn't be drinking any because she's underage, etc. Uh, but speaking of possible drunks, uh, someone is jumping from the top of what I guess is the pool house. Uh, or some sort of pergola, perhaps. I mean, Zoe's family clearly has some coin there in Jersey City. Uh, but then he goes into the pool and, and stepping out of it, it's the super handsome, aforementioned Kamran, uh, shirtless, handsome, British accent clearly on display here. Um, but God he, has willed it. <laughs> well, I guess God has also willed for this scene to, to get a move on here because the fuzz has arrived. That's right. Jersey City police. Uh, everybody's going to run. Kamran says, everyone hop in my car. Uh, indeed, it's technically his uncle's car, which is very, very sweet. Uh, and Kamala would love to drive it sometime. There is that little issue, Bruno reminds her, about uh, her not having a license. Uh, there's some conversation about Sweatshop Boys, Bazigar, DD, LJ. Pete, all opportunities for me to learn more about these things, because I bet they're uh, pretty awesome. In fact, you know who likes Bazigar? That's Bruno. So Bazigar, Matt, uh, like a Bollywood James Bond movie, uh, DDLJ, which uh, the translation is the big hearted will take the bride, um, has remained in a theater outside of COVID since 1995. And these are all Shah Rukh Khan films uh, in uh, you know, the, the Bollywood tradition. So, you know, uh, Bruno, a little bit of tension with this other guy. I mean, listen, it's, it's clear Bruno cares very deeply for Kamala. Is it romantic? Is it platonic? Uh, it, it's care nonetheless. And here comes this, uh, you know, accented, handsome, sometimes shirtless guy with a really neat black car. And uh, there's there's the tension we need to have right down to dropping them off at the Circle Q where he gets everybody's name. But Brian's Brian's mad. Why is Brian mad? Pete, here's how you know that episode writer Kate Gritman knows what's what when it comes to the youth. 
of America. Okay. Kamran gives Kamala his number and says, give a call or a text. Pete, as you know, kids these days, why talk on voice when you can have an asynchronous conversation via text? Because uh, that's how it is. Uh, so I'm glad that they're that they're representing the youth. Uh, he says, "See you later, gang." We feel some some young love in the air. Kamala goes home, uh, dancing in her mind. I love how it's, of course, shown to us on screen as live action and real, but. It's also clear that it's in it's in her imagination. The joy of that young love, young love, expressed in song and dance. It's not quite a musical since she's like lip syncing to it, but it's also kind of Marvel's first musical uh, or second one after Hawkeye, which was, I guess, a proper musical moment. But how was it? Asks Mom. Uh, she says magical. Uh, with that, uh, Cameron texts. Want to have a driving lesson on Monday? Totally says Kamala, and how it uh, appears on the comforter there. Yeah, it's it is a gorgeous way that they are showing text on screen, and they did it last episode. But uh, the camera here pans up, and we just kind of get electric neon dreams to take us out of the evening and into her notebook on Monday, the day of this lesson. But the bell rings, and suddenly her nose lights up nakia is a little upset that they spent six weeks on ancient rome and greece but only six minutes on ancient persia and byzantium uh history written by the oppressors she said clearly nakia a young lady of uh principles uh kamala covers her nose and heads to a restroom stall where later uh she and nakia talk about changes uh, and obviously in high school, these young women going through a lot, um, Nakia points to, uh, donning the hijab where she said that, uh, you know, when, when she put that on, she hoped to shut some people up. Um, but then she's realized since she doesn't need to prove anything to anybody and, um, women, uh, Muslim women wearing a hijab really a, a sign of pride in who they are uh so uh smartly written in there in the characterization of this young lady pete i look forward to minor internet rage as people who maybe don't spend a lot of time around women are angry that between turning red and now this one scene in a high school uh women you know women's bathroom they're making reference to a thing that happens to 50% of humans. Ah, oh, it's ruined us. Oh. That's, that's authentic and real. And, you know, just, yeah, uh, they need to stop. <laughs> On the topic, Pete, of purpose, okay, underlined here how Nakia is running for the mosque board after all. And ahead of your dry, your upcoming driving lesson, Kamala, here's, here's a dress. Here's some earrings. So I think some empowerment going back and forth from one to the other sisterhood absolutely mr wilson has a meeting with bruno he's got it matt he's been selected for that early immersion program at caltech next semester we're actually going to get when this um this series is taking place right now in just a little bit uh but the dorms the campus the lab Everything he's going to have the exposure to all sounds expensive, though. Seems like Bruno's trying to create some barrier 
to not go, but Mr. Wilson says it's all free, say yes. But Bruno wants to think about it. No, 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 no. This is the moment when you're told you're going to be a Jedi or you're going to answer phones for a demanding yet chic magazine editor. This is the moment he's the protagonist. Mr. Wilson is Meryl Streep. This is when you say yes. Back to Kamala, we go outside of school. It's drive-in time. She's making her way to Kamran, but Bruno intercepts, ready for her to train, you know, with the powers and so forth. But no, she's going to be going to drive, of course. Bruno puts two and two together, um, but but uh, he's asked, will he come to Eid? Uh, I love how he's already familiar with uh, some of these traditions that have that have been uh, you know he's grown up around and so forth uh, he's reminded it'll be fun uh, there'll be lots of uh, amusing gossip at the mosque and so forth so find out about the bangle perhaps Matt do you know when Eid will occur in 2023 uh, I don't but tell me it's in April so we now know approximately when this is occurring Okay, there we go. Putting the timeline together here. Um, Kamala's going to now officially go drive. Bruno walks away. We see in a very wide shot that she's not turning very well, but that's how it goes. Um, They end up uh, going for a bite to eat inside Bombay Spice. Uh, They're talking about Indian movies. She's roasting Kamran as they... As they talk about Kingo, a reference to a Marvel movie that I don't fully acknowledge. So can we just move on to (laughs) reflections on New Jersey? Man, one of the better things about Eternals, okay? Uh, Kamal Nunjani, who we now have on Kenobi as well, all right? Killing it on both ends. Um, He was very handsome in that movie. uh, And they they made the funny guy have funny lines there. Pete, reflections made about is Jersey home for Kamran? Maybe one day, uh, but all of a sudden Kamala's hiding behind the menu. Uh, it's her brother and his fiance on the other side. Um, so Kamran says, let's just wait behind this small menu. Uh, are, are they in the clear? All of a sudden, Amir and Taisha are there, uh, and Kamran is introduced as, you know, Amir, it's it's our cousin, Uncle Chaudhry's son. Uh, as for the British accent, since, you know, Uncle Chaudhry is from Pakistan, oh, uh, uh, Kamran was just, uh, he's a big fan of the British Bake Off. Uh, available, Pete, on a rival streamer? Well, I guess <laughs> Disney very generous here. Um, that's why he's been speaking all British. Uh, then Kamran fakes a Pakistani accent, which Amir buys. Uh, Amir buys 100%. I think it's Taisha who maybe is a little a, a little faster on the uptake here. Yes, they used to look at haram forbidden things on the internet. He remembers, called him haram.comran, which is a great nickname. Uh, but later at dinner, as uh, Dad Youssef is talking, we find out that Amir used to work at, uh, what was it, Hot Pocket? No, Hot Topic. Wasn't a goth phase, but he wore a lot of spiky jewelry. But this is why they moved to America, uh, uh, the father said, so that their children can become anything they want. 
And uh, Yusuf explains that his family was in Karachi for generations, that his wife's family moved to Karachi only after the partition. Um, back then, there was no Pakistan or Bangladesh. It was all one big country, India. Um, and Muniba explains that the British left them with a mess, civil war. And uh, Amir points out to Taisha that every family has a partition story and none are good. Uh, but mom says they shouldn't be talking about this celebratory time and goes into the kitchen then. And Yusuf leans over as we've already seen in two episodes here is wants to deliver a little exposition painlessly and explain to um, Amir's fiance the story about his wife's family during the partition where they were on the last train out of the city and her mother, Sana, the one who has sent the box that contains the bangle and the other uh, knickknacks, uh, was just a toddler then and separated from uh, her parents at the train station. Her father was injured, uh, needed a walking stick, he couldn't keep up with the toddler. But nobody knows how this toddler got back on the train just before it pulled out of the station. Um, and Yusuf and Kamala both know that Sana, uh, interestingly, Matt sharing the same name as executive producer um, Sana Amat, uh, Aminat, I should say, um, followed a trail of stars. Um, and mom reacts in the kitchen as this is explained. But what happened to Sana's mother? They don't know. She disappeared that night like many others. And the bangle glows beneath the table at this point. There's a light which kind of opens up. There's the sound of a train and rumbling. And suddenly Kamala has fainted. It's got to be the evil eye, right? Either that or she ate too much or ate too little mom fears uh later kamala's feeling better uh she facetimes nani uh there's some delightful intergenerational the phone is too close move it on back and so forth um finally some discussion that the bangle that nani sent it's doing some weird things uh we get some info here that belonged to nani's mother aisha and uh, no, no, Nani's not going to talk too much about this. After all, your mom will be upset. Uh, Dad overhears, listening in, uh, ready to, to open the door there. Kamala hard lights the, the door uh, with, with a shot, uh, kind of sending him back. And Kamala quick wraps up that call. Dad pops in. Kamala playing snoozy. What? What's going on, Dad? Oh, oh, it's okay. Go back to sleep. Um, Pete, with that... We're going to continue to take a musical tour of New Jersey here because it's Bon Jovi time. Mom and dad are both fans. Uh, the album, Pete, Slippery When Wet, is why they met. Oh, my. Oh, my. Um, I think, Pete, somehow it sounds worse than it is, unless you know why the album was so named. But I think, Pete, take us back to the the the, the narrative here. To the 80s, Matt, of course, such a important album to people outside New Jersey, something they think New Jersey kind of is, but not so much. Although there is, Matt, now 
a uh, Bon Jovi, a John Bon Jovi rest stop. There is some of the New With Jersey a holographic experience. Um, that when I read the article in one of the prominent New Jersey newspapers, the uh, reporter there had uh, spoken and uh, watched a mother and a daughter, and the daughter thought that it was one of the Beatles. I guess ultimately high praise for New Jersey's own Bon Jovi. Or not. <laughs> anyway, Matt, uh, talk of maybe they'll use, uh, you know, living on a prayer at the wedding. It's better than you give love a bad name. Or, yeah, it's not. Uh, we cut to uh, Eid Mubarak, where there's a little uh, carnival uh, next to the mosque here. Uh, Bruno is there. My, my outfit's not too bright. Is it uh, Mrs. Khan? No, no. He, she doesn't understand the question. Suddenly, uh, Nakia is going to uh, politic. She's working with the gyro king. And uh, then they're going to go around. They're going to divide and conquer, Matt, between the mosque bros and the pious boys. Then they'll mobilize the Sunday school teachers, infiltrate the InstaClick the converts technically the reverts and then i have to make it past the mini harami girls to their ultimate goal the illuminantes but meanwhile nakia is gonna corner yusuf to try to get his vote indeed pete yusuf referred to as the white whale just want to explain to you pete that's a reference to herman melville's novel moby dick in which Captain Ahab is going after the titular whale named Moby Dick. A challenging task indeed. We see Nakia talking uh, indeed to Yusef. She'd like his vote. He says, but Rashid is running. That's, that's dad's best friend. Uh, however, Nakia says that Kamala is Nakia's best friend. There, uh, you know, a vote for her would be helping build the dream of a better future in this country would you rob two young women of their future uncle you know it's your daughter and basically your other daughter that's who the ask is for women's suffrage something people have fought for died for dreams of a better tomorrow my man here's a button vote for nakia zoe matt is in an interrogation room but this is Quite a while after the party, so it doesn't quite line up. Maybe they've gotten some intel. But Agent Cleary comes in, and you can see on him his DODC badge. That's Department of Damage Control. He's a big fan of Z the Zoe Zimmer. He's seen the popcorn video. They, they switched all the popcorn in the uh, break room after that. Uh, so... Now that I've softened you up, when did the enhanced individual try to kill you? Pete, classic uh, Stewie from Succession here going in for the kill, okay? Um, he wonders, uh, as you said, Pete, uh, were they working together? Was she trying to kill you? You know, Zoe says, no, she saved my life. Oh, maybe, says Agent Cleary. This was an inside job made for the likes. Um, after all, uh, you two look a lot alike uh zoe says that they don't um 
And then she's questioned, you know, was there an accent? Uh, at this point, Agent Deaver has come in. Uh, was she Latina or Latinx? Whatever you're supposed to say, says Deaver, just in case you weren't clear on the uh, kind of slowly simmering racism in the scene here. Uh, was she Middle Eastern, South Asian? Ultimately, Agents Cleary and Deaver have a little side conversation, deciding uh, rather directly to just simply do a tri-state sweep, uh, searching uh, temples, community centers, and Cleary gives the briefest pause, mosques. Uh, don't forget that the FBI is already watching them, so let's be respectful. Pete, a whole lot of um, a whole lot of things being said by this scene. Uh, and, and I think a lot of points being effortlessly made in terms of um, how uh, certain people, maybe certain government people, how people of a certain mindset can view, uh, quote unquote, the other. Clearly, clearly coming across more trustable than Deaver. Back to the carnival here where Kamala is speaking with the aunties and getting some more backstory that she has a good mother that doesn't deserve the shame that's been brought to her by her great-grandmother. Um, another uh, says that her father called that woman a snake, that she put a curse on everything she touched. There's rumors of secret affairs, many affairs, secret families. One lady heard she killed a man. Uh, this all happened during the partition. And as Kamala is kind of getting the uh, rumors here, there's a boy up in the minaret uh, who leans out as he's taking a photo and manages to grab onto the curtain, but he's hanging. Hey, that's Hamid, and he's in trouble. Will no one save poor Hamid? <laughs> Bruno looks around, uh, but of course Kamala knows what she has to do. We cut to the curtain, slowly failing, you know, pop, pop, pop. Uh, and then at the top of the building, we see Kamala in her cosplay outfit. It's time for her to save the day. Uh, but Hamid isn't going to be able to hold on. Uh, all of a sudden, the assembled folks uh, on the ground, look up in the sky, there's nightlight. Uh, she's tiptoeing to him credit to the show for really having her take her time. She's Pete. She's got the heart of a hero. She doesn't have the hero skills yet. And I like that. They don't lose sight of that. Uh, she does keep Hamid talking uh, Pete talking about a thing that I want to make very clear to all our listeners is not a New Jersey thing. Not okay. It's not a thing at all. <laughs> Ice cream pizza, which is ice cream on top of pizza, which really, really tremendously sounds gross it it does apart from the temperature differential and the consistency and just way too much dairy uh matt we don't have to convince anybody that new jersey has the best pizza in the world it's a stated fact okay uh and and that you would ruin it with uh you know a, a thing that's great in its own but you know it's not like ice creams are a regional uh thing that they get really well not like your you know chicago uh pizza cake or you know anywhere out west where they can't make good pizza dough hamid just think of a nice plate of ice cream pizza or a bowl you know um ultimately 
uh, Kamala Hardlight steps to him, uh, but even as the last ring holding on, uh, you know, keeping the curtain in place rips, uh, we, we see things speeding up there. So Kamala speeds up, puts a step under him. Um, still, she she slips, but she catches him kind of with her body. They, they end up on a large hard light platform. Huzzah, the day is saved. Uh, their little modest hero jumps onto the, the roof. Uh, we cut to her imagined uh, social media coverage there. Um, but ultimately, in the real world, Kamala reaches for Hamid. Uh, the, the platform flashes. Uh, pardon me, Kamala flashes and sees uh, Aisha and her powers fail. Hamid falls. Oh, no, Pete. Is this a tragic, dark turn? Uh, two, two episodes on the same night on Disney Plus stuff where kids are in trouble. Is it? She tries to reach out with that big hand. Can't do it. Shoots some more hard light. Slows Hamid down, but he does land on top of a car rather roughly. She runs across rooftops away and into an alley. But then, Matt, there's a really familiar drone that she's seen on camera. Uh, indeed. Uh, perhaps from the world of Stark or Stark tech uh, and so forth. Uh, but the drone has found her, so she runs the other way. Then there's a second one at the other end of the alley. Uh, she big hands one of the drones away. Uh, DODC, however, is on the scene. Uh, there's flashy lights. There's doors opening. There's, you know, oh, 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 as people get out of the car and so forth. Um, but ultimately, she she uh, does hard light steps uh, up and over them, taking out some of the drones as well. Uh, takes a little tumble. It's at this point, Pete, through the magic of, uh, of editing here, all the DODC folks are on the other side of the big trucks. Comron's car pulls up get in, they race away, uh, and DODC, uh, including uh, uh, Agent Deaver, they have no idea where she went. Again, it's <laughs> it's a narrative her. conceit. Yeah, <laughs> they, they have lost her. That much is true. In the backseat of Comron's car is a woman uh, who's waited a long time to meet Kamala, and then Comron would like her to meet his mom. And she looks at the camera and we look at her as the episode ends. We're searching the internet for all the theories. Pete, here's a crazy one. I think that that Aisha lady is related to the other Aisha lady that has shown up in visions and such. You know, listeners will know that Matt uh, says he likes to run spoiler free, but I don't know here. This, this character is not referred to as that name, this mystery woman. Well, let's let's look at it through this context here, Pete. Maybe I've done... Uh, Pete, I won't cop to where I get my info from, okay? I, I have a, a source on the inside of DODC here. Um, I think if nothing else, the, the kind of story advancement that we see in this episode regarding family backstory, regarding the bangle... Again, I am impressed, at least with the degree that I've read the Ms. Marvel comics, which is maybe the first uh, 15 issues, something like that. Um, this, what we're seeing in the show, this idea of a family and a cultural connection to Ms. Marvel getting her powers, it, it sits better than, you know, inhuman dust came along one day and made her get powers. Again, if your desire is to take 
enough, you know, to take no character and no title and no concept and to launch it into powers quickly in a comic book and to bring bring along the wonderful world that that exists around Kamala Khan. Sure, uh, the Inhuman experience is as good as any. But what we're seeing in this show, again, with a family connection, a cultural connection, it's an improvement. So clearly this story from the historical event of the partition of uh, the great-grandmother of Kamala Khan, the grandmother of Muniba, going missing, her fate unknown, and that this mystery woman could potentially be that same lady, not really having aged, uh, and the mother of Kamran. Clearly, there are some questions, the biggest being the whole lack of aging thing. And then how does that impact Comron? Is he as old as he appears to be? Is he an ageless wonder as well? Uh, Can Uh, he be a romantic interest if they're related? Pete, all good questions. And I think, you know, not, not to not to delve into the Kenobi discussion until tomorrow's podcast. Um Let's just have the confidence that, uh, particularly if they're going to do an, a, a six-episode show, whether it is Star Wars or Marvel, in a six-episode show, you're going to know where all the pieces are and where you want them to go. So I think the fact that we have these questions and go, wait, he was so handsome and shirtless and it made her heart pitter-patter, now maybe there's a, an ick factor. Like, yes, we're, we're on the journey that we're supposed to be on and you know we can we can give the show next week to explain many more of these things. The trail of stars that is referenced sounds an awful lot like the power that seems to unlock from the bangle. So all that would track. Matt, is there an Eternals connection here with the referencing of Kingo and the character they also think is Kingo's father, who is also Kingo? I'm going to say that's the extent of the connection, and it's just one that is meant to be kind of pop culture in nature, and I really genuinely believe my heart of hearts that we're not going to see a whole lot of movement on the Eternals, and um, and I don't think we're going to see a ton of mixing of Eternal stuff into other shows and so forth. Uh, if I'm wrong, that means that they've only improved over that movie. Uh, so clearly, Comron here, some sort of, uh, you know, training the ability to leap off the uh, the pool house type of thing, um, you know, the driving, the dashing nature. Will he be some sort of help kind of guide beyond what his mother in the backseat could be? in unlocking the secrets for Kamala. I think certainly in terms of, you know, we, we might not know how this six episode arc ends, but we know that it ends with a full fledged superhero ready to be in the Marvels. Um, so in so far as Bruno has taken things, you know, Bruno's an interesting character to be, to be sure, but Bruno's kind of taken Kamala's, training montage as far as he can so i think it's a very sitting uh, a fitting point in the story for Kamran, who now we can assume has some sort of knowledge of the the super powered world 
uh and we can you know he can continue to aid kamala as as the main star of the show continues to grow and evolve uh muniba uh talks about wanting to keep kamala safe and clearly the emergence and she knows nothing about kamran um or definitely not that this mystery woman has shown up. Um, so that's going to ratchet up her concern for her daughter's safety. It certainly gives continued uh, story conflict and story purpose to the mom character. Uh, I think, too, also with the, with the inclusion of the, the mystery woman here, it's also rather appropriately keeping things... Uh, with with the female characters in um in a primary position here so i think that's very fitting as well it's a great opportunity to kind of authentically as i said authentically loop mom in uh to bring in more family backstory it's just you know you kind of look at where we're at now two episodes in one third of the way in and it just feels like all the effort that they've taken to craft where they're at right now it's just hitting on multiple levels and really really working bruno in this episode matt his dilemma go with the dream opportunity to california but it's going to take him away from kamala it's a good bit of character business particularly you know again i don't mean to overly lean on this we know that the character of Ms. Marvel is likely headed for bigger things than Jersey City for the rest of all her live-action stories, that kind of thing. So there's a limited amount of Bruno time in these six episodes to give him this dilemma. It feels authentic. It reiterates a core theme to Marvel Comics, which is appreciation for science and academics and things of that sort. Um and it's just being used, you know, as I said w with the prior point here, all these story details to have them all fully ramped up and working in the same direction. You know, it's a super authentic uh, motivation of his, a super authentic dilemma that can continue to be explored in these uh, in these upcoming four episodes. The Disney Plus Marvel Studios shows have had a definite Scott Lang Ant-Man fixation. Uh, I mean, and why not? Fantastic character, you know. <laughs> and, you know, I mean, I've said, I, I, you know, in some of the, when we've talked about the Ant-Man movies, I, I like, on a certain level, I like the Ant-Man movies best because the stakes, it's not like this must tie together 10 years of cinema. Like, they're smaller scale, no ant pun intended, kind of they're, they're smaller scale. And, you know, because because Rudd is just so, kind of beloved in his persona there's not a lot you know like there's no baggage it's not like you know but then tony stark was a drunken iron man too or what's the choice going to be save the world or save your family like i don't know who doesn't love ant-man i guess is my point not that i don't love him i just think like they've, they've really concentrated a lot on the character on uh, the tech on the image. I mean, we had the big giant man head in the first episode. We have the reference here to Ant-Man powers talking to ants. Um, and then, you know, you go to Hawkeye and you had the, the Pim arrow and you had, uh, you know, Ant-Man somehow 
you know, being integrated into the Battle of New York, which we know he was not. Um, and, you know, really just seems like I, I see what you're saying. Like, why wouldn't you? But they seem to reach for him on these shows a lot in particular. Yeah, I, I think, too, I'm kind of going through my head like I know I know Ant-Man was not an OG MCU Avenger, but in so far as they have cycled out, you know, cycled out Iron Man, there's a new Captain America who's not kind of fully ensconced in the mythology of their world yet. Uh, Hawkeye swapping, swapping Clint Barton uh, for Kate and so forth. Um, there's, I think there within the universe, within the MCU, for people like Kamala, there's a staying power to Ant-Man, you know, where he hasn't retired, he hasn't given the ultimate sacrifice and so forth. I mean, even with Jimmy Woo in, in WandaVision, a character from his sphere of influence, but, you know, large enough universe, I get it. Uh, last one from me, Matt, kind of a ding. Um, uh, Kamala practicing out in the open here on the Circle Q roof. Uh, that is a fair ding um, and probably not something that really occurred to them when a bunch of really great carpenters and electricians had built uh, a rooftop set on the on the ground of a soundstage and then they put blue all behind it and we're like look we're outdoors we're gonna pretend we're outdoors as we film inside a building that's air conditioned and well lit and so forth like i would agree the notion of like hey i'm looking out my window hey i'm in a tall building hey i will record this and post it and so forth um it's a fair ding obviously you can undo it by saying well willful suspension of disbelief and we know nobody noticed because nobody posted about it Fine, you know, fair enough. I, I I see your chess move that undoes my chess move, but uh, I think as a central conceit, uh, again, we always say it, Pete. It could be one line of dialogue, even if it's just something like, "Aren't you concerned we'll be seen?" And it could be like, "People don't lift their noses out of their phone enough to look out the window." Like then you go, "Oh, okay." I, I don't know if that's. I don't know if that makes. Complete sense, but I, now I buy. I, you I, I buy your it, lie, and I think sometimes yeah. when you address it, it's better than, oh, girl with hard light coming out of her hands is hopping on magic platforms and sliding on them in a uh, Captain Marvel Carol Danvers outfit. Uh, it's it's little Captain Marvel. Oh yeah, here's here's the video. It goes viral. Let's scroll down and check the comments section. And Pete pulling back the curtain a little bit here, recording the smidge early. So we're going to read everything that we have at this current point here. Uh, and we ran the poll. Uh, which uh, Bon Jovi song captures how you view this episode? Uh, there was Living on a Prayer that got 15%. There's Wanted Dead or Alive got 0%. Maybe I realized in retrospect, Pete, that might have sounded like a downer. It's a great song. Okay, I'll be there for you. Got twenty two point five percent, and then it's my life. Got sixty two point five percent. Some replies here. James is sagacious. Big killing on Twitter. Pete himself a Jersey guy. Okay, uh, enjoying this more than I thought I would. It's so real. The casting and acting are just next level. It puts high school angst in a modern perspective. So many layers to the writing. Love every character. And, and Pete, here we are, almost uh, fifty two minutes into the podcast, and 
James has brought up a point that's that's been in my heart and I haven't shared it yet, which is I don't care when this show takes us to Thailand. I don't care when this show has, you know, Rhodey or the new Captain America or Kate Bishop. I don't care what the larger connection is. I'm loving this story right now. I know some of those things are going to happen. I know we're going to get that larger, uh, you know, meshing to, to the MCU. But this story is standing on its own. I really feel like they've taken a page from the Spider-Man films that kind of by necessity are connected, but not too connected. Um, and they're just using that as a plus, not a minus. Yeah. And I'm really enjoying the immersion into culture and religion and a lot of things that I don't really fully know about Matt, you know, we're at the Paley center and the question from the moderator, um, to the cast and the creatives about the partition. And I look at you and I'm like, Matt, what's the partition? Am, am I an uninformed person? Um, I was never taught this in school. Uh, this sort of world history. So to learn about this, to learn into the background of this and how this has affected these families um, and and these people uh, has been enlightening. Yeah. I, in our discussion uh, afterwards off mic, it was like, I think they're referring how, how it used to be all one India, but same thing. This is not part of, part of the larger uh let's say world history conversation gee whiz pete maybe uh nakia was right you know kind of weird we never learned about this being a thing uh in the in the the glory haze post world war ii you know the all of that so i think there's times that we relate certain story elements in shows as being you know story dessert or story vegetables um that dinner scene did not feel like story vegetables where it's like now we're going to give you the cultural moment ding like it felt authentic to what was going on in their world and by their world i mean you know the world of ms marvel and she's hiding the bangle and the brothers got the fiance and the people over for dinner like none of it felt like the cultural moment um and just this opportunity for this show this creative crew this mcu this marvel studios to enlighten millions of people uh to important cultural ideas i mean there's your big there's your big um impact there uh particularly in a year where peter won't delve too deep but you know disney as a company has had some trouble being able to get the message across the message of togetherness and beauty of of diversity and all of that they've had some stumbles not here in the mcu where you just felt all of that in, in in that scene it really really was uh it was lovely and this is how it happens too right through popular culture that you you get the exposure to it and you know all right you, you tell a story but it's also a way to inform and enlighten Moving back to the comments here, the Twitter comments, Spider-Ham Lincoln, Tess LC139. This was a nice follow-up to the first episode, and I like the teen drama and the mysteries that are popping up. Kamala is a likable character, and I'm pleased with this show so far. I don't know much about the Muslim community, but the portrayals and situations seem authentic. Uh, moving on to Darren Bell, Darth Raslin79. I was pretty meh after the first episode, but I really enjoyed this one. Really hope we get 
More episodes that explore the other realm where Kamala seems to get her powers from. Looking forward to finding out more about Kamala's great-grandmother. Also, Stark drones. Uh, Pete, you were hinting at that before. Looks like Stark drones or Stark-adjacent tech, right? Yeah, a little Mysterio connection, perhaps? Moving on to Andre Yeager at Dr. Polo in 1983. I knew Home Slice was too good to be true. <laughs> he latched onto Kamala too fast. Another great world-building episode. Can't wait uh, to get more backstory from her family. Mom knows more than she's letting on. Um, and uh, James Sagacious replies to that and said, didn't think about it as world-building until I read this. I will add, Pete, I'm always a little... Um, I know part of the comic book TV show and film genre is having a baddie who is equally powered to your goodie. And I totally get the story reasons why, of course. Um, the notion, like reading Andre's comment there, it's now on my radar. Wait, what if Comron is the equally powered goodie who is comes from the same tradition, comes from the same family, could be bestowed the same hard light powers as well but he's going to skew left and she's going to skew right he's going to skew bad she's going to skew good that kind of thing i mean it it reminds me a little bit given the genre uh runaways um with some of the stuff that was done there i don't know i think it's so early to tell um i've not read very much of ms marvel at all um, and I, I kind of want to go on this journey without that. And then once we've seen the show here, go and discover those issues. Next up, we hear from AMC. That's at Ann Coltonham. Uh, fantastic episode of Ms. Marvel. This show is a burst of fun and quirky vibes. Totally love it. Real mystery is building on who and what Kamala's great grandmother is and what she did in the past. Looking forward to listening to the podcast. Next is LMD Mary. That's at Geek Kirk. Uh, Mary says, this show so easily brings up how it felt to be a teen girl with a loving but overbearing secretive mother, mumble, years ago. Really tapping directly into my feels, loving the show so much. Mary adds, Matt, she had DM'd me on Twitter, and she has a friend who watches all the MCO, MCU shows, uh, but usually just likes them. She is loving ms marvel and mary adds we told matt all caps um i know this pete there this show is capturing that youth feeling for the youth among us and the youth you know that is eternal in our hearts it's that kind of thing where it's not you know it it's of the modern time with you know snapchat no instagram and all of that but it's also just that timelessness of Yes, this is what it's like to come home and feel like, I like somebody, do they like me, and all of that. Pete, love also in the air uh, for J. Philly B. That's at J. Philly B for fandom. Love everything about this show. Characters, actors, story, style, music. It's all so rich. Can we just give Dad of the Year to Yusef Khan now and call it a day? We, we can. Um, the thing about Iman Valani, the more I see of her, Matt, you know, she just has it. She really does. The dance sequence to Be My Baby here. Um, I don't know that a lot of first-time performers could have carried that off. And yes, this is the first time she's acting. She talked at length about that at the Paley Center. She's learning all this stuff as she's doing it. 
with her co-star here. Um, and, you know, it, it seems effortless. I think the, the person that they cast is largely the person they're getting on screen right now. And uh, I and I think a lot of other people are here for it. Yes, there's the it factor that she just simply has. Uh, Rose Ferry, Anna Rose 584, says, Comron, you give love a bad name. Wow. There we go. <laughs> um, and last but certainly not least is uh, Faye L. That's at Faye, F-A-Y-E-L-E-L-L-E on Twitter. Uh, it was such a great episode. I love watching a young super grow. And honestly, I'm learning a lot about the culture. And after the history in the U.S., it's fantastic to see and learn. Uh, also, I need the whole soundtrack to this show. Uh, I'd agree with everything there. Yeah, they're doing a great job uh, coming off Moon Knight, Matt. You know, they've done a real good job of, you know, underrepresented artists and, and getting that out there. Pete, what do you have on Facebook? Steve Adams writes in a fantastic geek Facebook page. Episode two of Ms. Marvel was a load of fun from start to finish. I can see why this was Amon Vellani's favorite episode. This was a thrill ride. The training montage is always fun for an old trope. <clears throat> um, it still works. Uh, upon watching the recap, uh, I was reminded that Kamala's mom had a very terse reaction to the bangle. I was wondering if we will see a long line of Ms. Marvels in the family history. I had just read this morning a story about the character of Red Dagger returning to the comics, and it seemed he just showed up here as well. It is going to be really interesting to see where we go from the final scene. Last week's episode wasn't bad by any stretch, but it seems this series really began in earnest this week. Again, great fun, and bring on the next episode. Until then, stay fantastic, and he spelled it with the P and the H. I certainly would agree that there was a different vibe to this episode, in part because they didn't need to set everything up, but it also felt, again they are not rushing towards the conclusion. They're not rushing towards, we must reach the midpoint of this thing, which will be obvious. Like she now has three of six keys to get to like it. This really feels like it's happening at its own pace um, and building at its own pace. And we're hitting benchmarks uh, like now Comron and mystery woman and all of that, but it's not, it's not hurried in any way. And it's just wonderful to be in that kind of spot. To Apple Podcast, Matt, where Athozark has left us a review titled Augmented Entertainment, five stars, and it reads, I was unfamiliar with Ms. Marvel and was going into the series as a happy but somewhat entitled Disney Plus subscriber. Whatever, but I'll take it. I love the first episode and look forward to Fantastic Geek's podcast breakdown more than ever. Fantastic Geek augments every offering from Marvel, Star Wars, and Star Trek by making each one more digestible and illuminating obscure threads craftily planted in the episodes. Well, certainly high praise there. I think, I mean, we're all on the same page that that loving the show. Uh, and Pete, the only downside is there's only four episodes to go, and then who knows if there's a season two that has yet to be announced and then the movie is a year away so 
I guess these are good problems to have. Uh, to the email inbox we go, uh, an email from Lauren here, subject line, Ms. Marvel is Marvelous. And Lauren says, hello, Matt and Pete. I'm loving this newest series from Marvel. Before the show, I knew nothing about Ms. Marvel aside from what I heard on your excellent podcast, and I'm highly enjoying the introduction the show is giving me. Characters, actors, music, production design, art, it's all 10 out of 10 so far. Episode 1 was just fun, and Episode 2 left me intrigued and wanting more. I like the explanation that the bangle unlocked latent abilities and sort of lets Kamala focus uh, her power. It could potentially fit in with an inhuman plot twist, but it doesn't have to to, le- uh, to lead there. It doesn't have to lead there in order to be plausible. Also, is the woman uh, she was seeing in her visions then in the car uh, at the end, dot, 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 her grandmother? Definitely looking forward to the next episode. I think maybe Pete, not, I think what's being floated is not that it is her grandmother, but her great-grandmother am i right in saying that yes it would be her mother's grandmother her mother's mother is alive and then you add in the behind the scenes that um zenovia shroff's mother was uh ill and dying as she was making this show that is you know so related mothers and daughters here really adds an extra level Pete, one more trip to the email inbox here. We heard from Stacy, a.k.a. Stingray, a.k.a. TrekGirl88, who says as follows. Hi, Matt and Pete. First, I want to say how much I appreciate your self-awareness as middle-aged white men fuels your conversations, that you spoke out against the vitriol Moses Ingram received, and your delight in knowing how many people now get to see themselves represented in a show like Ms. Marvel just warms my heart. I had joked about not crossing the streams with Star Wars and Star Trek, but I really don't understand why people think you can't love both. Mm -hmm. Or if you don't, just don't watch what you don't enjoy. To have both Anson Mount and Ewan McGregor be so outspoken about what it means to be a real fan and that they won't stand for racism and bigotry from those who claim to be fans gives me hope, which is what so many of these stories are about. Okay, on to my thoughts about Ms. Marvel. I love this show so much. I've only read a few of the comics a few years ago, and I don't remember much. So like Moon Knight, I went into this story pretty spoiler-free. It drew me in from the first scene. I love the style, the cartoon elements of Kamala's imagination, and every character is phenomenal. I I remember being an awkward 16-year-old girl uh, enough that even as a white girl from Seattle, I can relate to a brown girl from Jersey City. Her family dynamics, while in many ways different from mine, are also quite similar. My mom was the strict one, and my dad was the one who always tried to lighten any situation. Though my brother never would have brought me a cup of chai tea when I was upset. Oh, how I want some chai now. Mmm. Anywho, some things I noticed on my rewatch of the first ep. Hulk is everywhere in the Avengers Con scenes. They walk through Hulk's mouth to enter the convention space, and we see him in other places as they go through. Seemed deliberate, given which character Kamala's parents choose for her joint costume with Dad. I would have loved to have that costume. So beautiful. Well, I guess I'd love to have it now. At 16, I likely would have reacted the way Kamala did. And I just adore Kamala's uh, Kamala and Bruno's friendship. How they've been friends so long that he's part of the Khan family. Even when Muniba is annoyed, she still sends him home with food. Oh, but poor Bruno, who seems to be wanting more from his relationship with Kamala and has to watch her bond with Kamran in a way she can, that she never can with him. 
Love the training montage. Kamala calling her nani to get info. Her dad wandering the house with a plate of food. The guidance counselor trying to be cool. The Eid festival where they hit up all the clicks for information. So many little details to make this uh, show fun and fantastic. Can't wait to see what's next. Okay, once again, writing before work, so better get to move on. Always looking forward to your thoughts. Pete, not from Stacy. Well, first off, thank you for recognizing that we need to be self-aware who we are. You know, I, I love watching stories of everybody, and I, I love that it looks like our world, that representation. Um, as a writer, it's it's funny. I find myself less and less interested in telling stories of people who look and are like me and much more in in terms of people who are not represented and what are their experiences like and, and what experiences have they yet to have. Um, so thank you. An excellent point there, Pete. And let's keep the conversation going between now and the next episode. How can people be in touch with you on Twitter? Find me on Twitter at Peter, P-I-E-T-E-R-J-K-E-T-E-L-A-A-R, 12,565 followers. Can't be wrong. And while I'm personally on Twitter as Looking Back Lost, do be in touch with the podcast. Comment on FantasticGeek.com. Check us out on Twitter, Instagram, Gmail, where we are Fantastic Geek as well. But wait, Pete, there's more. Facebook.com slash Fantastic Geek. All one word with the P and the H like it today. If you're listening on the Pop Culture Podcast feed, we are back tomorrow to talk uh, Obi-Wan Kenobi Part 5. Back on Star Trek Sunday to talk uh, Star Trek Strange New Worlds, Episode 107. You're just here for Ms. Marvel. We are back next Marvel Friday for Episode 3 of The Journey. With that, Pete, I will say adios to all our listeners and give you the final word. Brian's mad? Why is Brian mad? We love you!